Chapter 12 for Audit 05162016 Now I present Chapter 12 of the Xi Summary of the Book A Possible History of Mankind Chapter 12 X and Y Again About 1400 Look what devastation the Black Plague has caused exclaimed why a disease in one part of the world was carried to other parts. Europeans had little previous contact with the people of China and Siberia and the disease was really disastrous to them since they had no immunity to it. Many people of all age classes and nationalities died and population density decreased tremendously so healthy laborers were at a premium. Machinery took over to assist farmers. Large populations of farm animals died too, especially sheep. Creative people were at a premium to meet the totally different world conditions when economic, political and religious changes had to be accepted. For example, faith in the church and state was seriously undermined because both political and religious leaders were often accused of cowardice rather than facing the incredible challenges they were asked to confront. Neither the corrupt governments nor the church faced such challenges well. For once the welcoming map was out for the Romanists noted ex-cheap laborers often welcome when needed. Eventually they will lose their popularity though when the epidemic has been forgotten would be my guess said YX and Y still about 1400. Considering the slavery of African blacks which had just started on a large scale with Portuguese explorations of the African continent, both X and Y shook their heads in bewilderment. Greed will often beat humanitarian treatment of people noted why apparently it is easy to see other people as animals rather than fellow humans. The tribal instinct in people that was so advantageous in the past is now a disadvantage since people really devalue people different from themselves, and in close collaboration with the government, the Catholic Church approved. Instead of condemning it, love your neighbor as you love yourself as Jesus preached does not apply to blacks apparently X and Y about 1450, in Europe they witnessed the Catholic Church as it turned very dogmatic and corrupt. What had Christianity accomplished by 1430 said why, they speculated that the story of Jesus with his self-sacrifice, his love of peace and acceptance and the idea of resurrection provided a setting for leading genuine followers of his to upgrade to a high stage of spiritual evolution, that is to become humanitarians, priests, bishops and monasteries provided political and spiritual leadership to isolated towns and villages and helped many poor people, and Joan of Arc showed what a sincere believer could achieve, but the church turned dogmatic and corrupt and this damaged Europe for centuries, it did not support its true believer, Joan of Arc, and sold her out to the British for political reasons, the church was unwilling to change, the early attempts at reform were unsuccessful. Humans were taught that they were born into sin right at the start since sex was sinful and so celibacy became an ideal to strive for rather than a requirement only for potential saints. Justice was almost impossible and made the focus of life to be the hereafter, not the now. In other words, life was a test and trial in preparation for death. Suffering purified the soul so that contrition, confession and penance were essentials in purifying the soul. By practicing this one could avoid eternal torment in hell and instead could go to heaven after the intermediate state of purgatory. Rigid anti-sexual behavior imposed on the masses led to insanity and disease. How can sex be considered a sin wondered X? You like it almost as much as I do right? No comment replied YX and Y about 1500. Columbus caused a tremendous upheaval in Western Europe with his rediscovery of the Americas in 1492 commented X he was a grasping, avaricious and vain man but also stubborn, persistent, persuasive and ultimately successful, but his discovery of the Americas seems quite disastrous for the native populations there commented Y but now almost the whole world is known and in contact with each other. X and Y about 1550, what incredible men Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo Buonarroti and Raphael are exclaimed why all three were truly amazing artists in this era of the high renaissance in Italy, focusing on the most creative one, Leonardo, I have to go with the summary of his close friend Giorgio Vasari who noted that, in the normal course of events many men and women are born with remarkable talents, but occasionally, in a way that transcends nature, a single person is marvelously endowed by heaven with beauty, grace and talent in such abundance that he leaves other men far behind, all his actions seem inspired and indeed everything he does clearly comes from God rather than from human skill, everyone acknowledged that this was true of Leonardo da Vinci, an artist of outstanding physical beauty, who displayed infinite grace in everything that he did and who cultivated his genius so brilliantly that all problems he studied he solved with ease, yes, added X he was certainly one of the most creative humans we have ever observed. 
Seeing somebody with his talents and accomplishments makes me happy that we can observe what is going on in this world X and Y again about 1600, when we look at Africa, it seems that not much has happened there so far except for Egypt said Y but now we need to record significant events as it becomes part of the rest of the world, the Ghana, 7901076, and the Mali Empire, 12301600, are clearly the most important developments from a historical point of view, besides the exploitation of salt and gold. The most notable changes are the contact with Arab Berber traders such as the Almoravids and other Muslim tribes around 1000 leading to the introduction of the Muslim religion and the trade with the Portuguese in the 1450s that stimulated a thriving slave trade that had started before the contact with them. King Sunjata, born in 1217, was already a Muslim X and Y about 1650, the reign of the Ming Dynasty, 1368-1644 certainly represents a significant development in history stated X China is a vast country with a large population estimated to be between 160 to 200 million for the late Ming period. They have been sending diplomatic missions over land and sea since the Han Dynasty, 202 BCE-220 CE, and have engaged in overseas trade even with East Africa for centuries culminating in the Song and Yuan dynasties. In 1405, Emperor Yongle appointed his favorite, Eunuch Commanders Heng He, as admiral of a gigantic new fleet of very large ships to pursue international tributary missions. 2,000 vessels were constructed from 1,403 to 1,419, including large treasure ships that measured 112 meters, 370 ft, to 134 meters. 440 ft, in length and 45 meters, 150 ft, to 54 meters, 180 ft, in width, this admiral certainly contributed to expanding the view of the civilized world in terms of culture, trade and power he said, it is a shame that the Chinese did not continue seafaring travels to other parts of the world, Yongle used woodblock printing to spread Chinese culture and used the military with heavy reliance on cavalry to expand China's borders north into Manchuria and south into Vietnam. The country had some rough times in this period. Famines were common in the early part of the 17th century due to unusual dry and cold weather that shortened the growing season because of an ecological event known as the Little Ice Age. Famine, tax increases, widespread military desertions, a declining relief system and natural disasters such as flooding and the inability of the government to properly manage irrigation and flood, control projects caused widespread loss of life and considerable friction and strife. To make matters worse, the Shaanxi earthquake of 1556 killed approximately 830,000 people during the reign of Emperor Jiajing. Also, a widespread epidemic of the Black Plague spread across China from 1641 to 1644 killing a large number of people and this helped end the Ming Dynasty. Good things happened to those said ex-art, painting, poetry, music, literature and dramatic theatre flourished. Carved designs in lacquerwares and designs glazed on to porcelain wares displayed intricate scenes similar in complexity to those in painting. A private study included elaborately carved brush holders made of stone or wood as writing materials and designed and arranged ritually to give an aesthetic appeal. Guides to help connoisseurs of art were available such as Liu Tong's book in 1635 where he instructed his readers how to distinguish between fake and authentic pieces of art. Suzyak 1587-1641, a travel literature author, published his travel diaries with information on everything from local geography to mineralogy. Private newspaper publishing in Beijing was first referenced in 1582. By 1638 the Beijing Gazette switched from using woodblock print to movable type printing. The Ming also developed novels such as the Jinping Mai, published in 1610. A famous play in Chinese history, The Peony Pavilion, was written by the Ming playwright Dang Xianzu and first performed in 1598. Yuan Hongdao and his brothers, Yuan Zongdao and Yuan Hongdao founded the Gongan School of Letters, an individualistic school of poetry and prose. The major production centers for porcelain items in the Ming Dynasty were Jingdezhen in Jiangxi Province and Dehua in Fujian Province. The latter factories produced export porcelain by the 16th century for Europe. All types of religion were accepted noted why where the dominant religious beliefs were the traditional mixtures of ancestor worship, 
Daoism and Buddhism. People believed in a host of deities as part of a Chinese folk religion. Jesuit missionaries from Europe such as Matteo Ricci and Nicholas Trigault visited in the late Ming period. Most European monks presented themselves more as educated elites than religious figures to gain trust and admiration from the Chinese. However, most people were suspicious and even outright critical of Christianity due to Chinese beliefs and practices that did not coincide with the Christian faith. The high point of this contention was the Nanjing religious incident of 1616-1622, a temporary triumph of the Confucian traditionalists when Western missionaries and science were rejected in favor of the belief that Western science derived from a superior Chinese model. But the Chinese were impressed with European knowledge in astronomy, calendrical science, mathematics, hydraulics and geography. Besides Christianity, the Kaifeng Jews had a long history in China, Ricci discovered this when he met one of them in Beijing and learned of their history in China. Islam in China had existed since the 7th century during the Tang Dynasty and included several prominent figures including Admirals Heng He. Interesting said why, the Chinese called Muslims, Jews and Christians in these times by the same name, Huai Huai, cross worshippers. Christians, were called Huai who abstained from animals without the cloven foot. Muslims were called Huai who abstained from pork and Jews were called Huai who extract the sinews. Leading a new strand of Confucian teaching and philosophy was the scholar official Wang Yangming, 1472-1529, but his critics said that his teachings were contaminated by Chan Buddhism. Conservative Confucian officials were wary of Wang's philosophical interpretation of the Confucian classics and his overall socially rebellious message. His ideas became part of mainstream Chinese thought and spurred new interest in Daoism and Buddhism. Wang Yangming's disciple, the salt mine worker Wang Zhen, gave lectures to commoners about pursuing education to improve their lives and his follower He Xinyin challenged the emphasis on family in Chinese society. Li Zhi, 1527-1602, taught that women were the intellectual equals of men and should be educated better. Both Li and he eventually died in prison jailed on charges of spreading dangerous ideas, but the idea of educating women had long been embraced since mothers often gave all their children primary education, and courtesans were frequently as literate and similarly trained in calligraphy, painting, and poetry as their male hosts. Several occupations could be chosen or inherited from a father's line of work such as coffin makers, iron workers and blacksmiths, tailors, cooks and noodle makers, retail merchants, tavern, tea house, or wine house managers, shoemakers, pawnshop owners, managers of brothels and merchant bankers engaging in a proto-banking system involving notes of exchange. Virtually every town had a brothel where female and male prostitutes could be had. Pederasty with a teenage boy was seen as a mark of elite status, even though sodomy was repugnant. Public bathing became widely accepted over time in this period. These Chinese had a decent calendar that measured the solar year at 365-14 days, giving an error of 10 minutes and 14 seconds a year or roughly a full day every 128 years. Song Yingxing documented a wide array of metallurgic and industrial processes in his Encyclopedia of 1637 such as mechanical and hydraulic power devices for agriculture and irrigation, nautical technology such as vessel types and snorkeling gear for pearl divers, the annual processes of silk farming and weaving with a loom, metallurgic processes such as the crucible technique and quenching, and manufacturing processes such as roasting iron pyrite and converting sulfide to an oxide used in gunpowder compositions. The agronomist Su Guangqi, 1562-1633, discussed irrigation, fertilizers, famine relief, economic and textile crops, and empirical observation of the elements that gave insight into early understandings of chemistry. There were many advances and new designs in gunpowder weapons during the beginning of the dynasty, but by the mid to late Ming period the Chinese frequently employed European-style artillery and firearms. The Hualongjing, translated as Fire Dragon Manual in English, was compiled by Jairo Yu and Liu Ji sometime before the latter's death in 1375, with a preface added by Jiao in 1412, and featured several types of cutting-edge gunpowder weaponry for the time. This includes hollow gunpowder-filled exploding cannonballs, land and naval mines that used a complex trigger mechanism, pins, and a steel wheel lock to ignite the train of fuses, 
fin-mounted winged rockets for aerodynamic control, multi-stage rockets propelled by booster rockets before igniting a swarm of smaller rockets issuing forth from the end of the missile, shaped like a dragon's head, and hand cannons with up to 10 barrels. Lee Shizhen, a pharmacologist, completed the first draft of his Benkeo Gangmu, Materia Medica, which detailed the usage of over 1,800 medicinal drugs in 1587. The process of inoculation for smallpox patients was in widespread use in China by the reign of Emperor Longqing, A1567-72, long before it was applied anywhere else. In regards to oral hygiene the Chinese invented the modern bristle toothbrush in 1498, using stiff pig hair X and Y again about 1650. In 1231 the Mongols began their campaigns against Korea noted X they certainly seemed to fight everywhere. After 25 years of struggle, they signed a treaty with the royal family. For 80 years the Korean kingdom Korea survived but only as a vassal of the Mongol rule Duran dynasty in China. The Guriya dynasty name is the source of the name Korea. In Guriya Buddhism flourished and spread throughout the peninsula. The development of Celadon pottery, both a type of glaze and of a specific color, flourished in the 12th and 13th century. The publication of Tripitaka Korana, a complete collection of Buddhist scriptures, laws, and treatises, on 80,000 wooden blocks and the invention of movable metal type printing press were important Korea's achievements. The dynasty lasted until 1392, then General Yi Seong-jai, the founder and the first king of the Joseon dynasty of Korea, took power in a coup and as King Tejo established this dynasty, 1392-1910, named in honor of the ancient kingdom god Joseon and its idealistic Confucianism, based politics. He moved the capital to Hanayang, later Daesol, and built the Jiangbokgung Palace. In 1394 he adopted Neo-Confucianism as the country's official religion and created a strong bureaucratic state. During this dynasty a social hierarchy system greatly affected Korea's social development. The king and his family were the principal ruling class, followed by a class consisting of civil or military officials and landowners known as Yangbun, who worked for the government. Next there was a middle class, Jungan, consisting of technical specialists such as scribes, medical officers, and technicians in science-related fields, artists and musicians, commoners, mostly peasants, constituted the largest class in Joseon, they paid taxes, provided labor and served in the military, they paid land taxes to the state and were allowed to cultivate the land, the lowest class included tenant farmers, slaves, entertainers, craftsmen, prostitutes, laborers, shamans, vagabonds, outcasts, soldiers and criminals. Slave status was hereditary, but slaves were sold at officially set prices, and the mistreatment of slaves was strictly forbidden. The Japanese invaded Korea between 1592 and 1598. Toyotomi Hideyoshi, 1536-1598, the unifier of Japan, tried to invade the Asian continent through Korea but was eventually repelled by the Joseans and their admiral Yi Sun-sin, who became famous for his turtle ships, with assistance from Ming China. Turtle ships are really quite a weapon said X. These ships designed by Yi held 11 cannons on each side of the ship, with two each at the stern and the bow. The ship's figurehead was in the shape of a dragon. The figurehead itself held up to four cannons and emitted a smoke screen that in combination with its fierce appearance, was intended to scare the enemy. The sides of the turtle ship had numerous holes from which arrows, bullets, and shells could be fired. The roof was covered with planks and spikes. Japan culture certainly differed greatly from the mainland Asian ones said X for example, they had an indigenous writing system, the kana, this was because Chinese influence had reached its peak and effectively ended with the last imperially sanctioned mission to Tang China in 838 said why Japan was governed by powerful aristocratic families, especially the Fujiwara clan, who ruled under the titles Sesho and Kampaku, imperial regents. About 1,185 various military clans arose. Towards the end of the 12th century, conflicts between these clans turned into civil war, such as the Hojin and Heiji rebellions, followed by the Genpei War, from which emerged the society led by samurai clans under the political rule of the shogun. This feudal period of Japanese history, dominated by powerful regional families, daimyo, and the military rule of warlords, shogun, 
stretched from 1185 on for a long time. There was an emperor but who was mostly a figurehead. This time is usually divided into periods based on the reigning family of the shogun. The Kamakura period, 1185 to 1333, marks the governance of the Kamakura shogunate and the transition to the Japanese medieval era, a period of nearly 700-year period in which the emperor, the court, and the traditional central government were intact but largely served in a ceremonial role, civil, military, and Judicial matters were controlled by the samurai classes, the most powerful class providing the de facto national ruler, the shogun. Traumatic events of the period were the Mongol invasions of Japan under Kublai Khan between 1274 and 1281, in which massive Mongol forces with superior naval technology and weaponry attempted a full-scale invasion of the Japanese islands. A typhoon referred to as kamikaze, divine wind in Japanese, as well as the defensive measures the Japanese built on the island of Kaishu were credited with stopping both Mongol invasions. Although the Japanese were successful in stopping the Mongols, the invasion attempt had devastating domestic repercussions, leading to the extinction of the Kamakura shogunate. In 1333, the Kamakura one was overthrown in a coup d'etat known as the Kemu Restoration, led by Emperor Godago. The imperial house was restored to political influence, but this only lasted three years, ending when samurai opposed to Godago enthroned Emperor Kogan. Ashikaga Takoji seized political power from Emperor Godago, exiled him to Yoshino and ended the Kemu Restoration. The decisive Battle of Minato River in 1336 allowed Ashikaga to seize Kyoto. In the Muromachi period, the Ashikaga shogunate ruled for 237 years from 1336 to 1573. The later years of this period, 1467 to 1573, is also known as the Sengoku period, period of warring kingdoms, a time of intense internal warfare. This was also the period of the first contacts with the West through the arrival of Portuguese Nanban traders. In 1543, a Portuguese ship, blown off its course to China, landed on Tanagashima Island. The Portuguese introduced firearms, a major innovation of the Sengoku period. They were used to devastating effect in the Battle of Nagashino where about 2,000 arquebuses cut down charging ranks of samurai. During the following years, traders from Portugal, the Netherlands, England, and Spain arrived, as did Jesuit, Dominican, and Franciscan missionaries. The late Warring Kingdom period from approximately 1568 to 1603, marks the military reunification and stabilization of the country under a single political ruler, first by the campaigns of Oda Nobunaga and then by that of one of his generals, Toyotomi Hideyoshi, who unified the country. Hideyoshi made two unsuccessful campaigns against the Allied forces of Korea and China until he died and his forces retreated from the Korean Peninsula in 1598. Tokugawa Ieyasu, one of the regents for Hideyoshi's young heir, emerged victorious at the Battle of Sekigahara and seized political power. From 1603 to 1868, the administration of the country was shared by over 200 territorial lords in a federation governed by the Tokugawa shogunate. This clan, leader of the victorious Eastern Army in the Battle of Sekigahara, monopolized the title of shogun for 15 generations. They commanded the allegiance of the other territorial lords, who in turn ruled their domains with considerable autonomy. This shogunate placed the samurai class above the commoners, the agriculturists, artisans, and merchants. They enacted laws limiting hairstyle, dress, and accessories. They organized commoners into groups of five and held all responsible for the acts of each individual, to keep the territorial lords from rebelling. They were required to maintain lavish residences in Edo and live at these residences on a rotating schedule, carry out expensive processions to and from their domains, contribute to the upkeep of shrines, temples, and roads, and seek permission before repairing their castles. Cultural achievement was high during this period and many artistic creations took place. Most significant among them was a form of woodblock print and the Kabuki and Bunraku theatres. During the early part of the 17th century, the shogunate was worried that foreign traders and missionaries were actually spies to be followed by a military conquest by European powers. Christianity had spread in Japan, especially among peasants. 
the shogunate suspected the loyalty of Christian peasants towards their daimyo and severely persecuted them. This led to a revolt by persecuted peasants and Christians in 1637 known as the Shimei Libra Rebellion which saw 30,000 Christians, unemployed samurais and peasants facing a massive samurai army of more than 100,000. The rebellion was crushed at a high cost to the shogun's army, starting about 1635. Foreigners were placed under progressively tighter restrictions. The shogunate monopolized foreign policy and expelled traders, missionaries, and foreigners with the exception of the Dutch and Chinese merchants who were restricted to the man-made island of Dejima and Nagasaki Bay and several small trading outposts outside the country X and Y again about 1650. Going from Japan and Korea to the Philippines, they noted that around 1225, the country of May, a sinified Philippine island state centered in Mindoro, had attracted traders ranging from the Kingdom of Ryukyu to the Yamato Empire of Japan. In 1380, an Arab judge and scholar from Mecca, Karim al Makdam, and later Sharif al Hashim Syed Abu Bakr, an Arab trader born in Johor, arrived in Sulu. The first helped popularize the Muslim religion in the Philippines, the latter helped establish the Sultanate of Sulu which gained great wealth due to its manufacture of pearls. At the end of the 15th century, Sheriff Mohammed Kabam Suwan of Joa introduced to Islam to the island of Mindanao, married Biramisuli, an Iranian princess from Mindanao and established the Sultanate of Magindanao. Why commented that Tondo, was one of the settlements mentioned in the Philippines' earliest historical record, the Laguna Copperplate inscription, as the capital of the Luzon Empire, a fortified kingdom, Tondo was located on Luzon Island. The kingdom, Indianized in the 10th century, initiated diplomatic ties with China during the Ming Dynasty. First it became a dominant force in regional trade and then throughout Asia. The Ming annals record the arrival of an envoy from Luzon to the Ming Dynasty in 1373 and her rulers were acknowledged as kings. The earliest archaeological evidence of trade between the Philippines and China is in the form of pottery and porcelain pieces dated to the Tang and Song dynasties. During the Ming Dynasty, the first Chinese settlers arrived in the Philippines and intermarried with the natives so later Philippine people have Chinese blood in their veins. This relationship between the Ming and the Luzon Empire was close enough that when the Ming Dynasty emperors enforced the Heijin laws closing China to maritime trade from 1371 to about 1567, trade with the Luzon Empire was officially allowed to continue using a tribute system through the seaport at Fuzhou. But there also was also an extensive clandestine trade from Guangzhou and Guangzhou that brought in Chinese goods to Luzon. Such goods were traded from Luzon all across Southeast Asia. The strict regulation in the trade of these goods in 16th century East Asia was also felt strongly by Japanese merchants. Because of this favoritism for Luzon, 16th century Japanese merchants and tea connoisseurs, like Shimei Saoshitsu and Kamei Asatan, established branch offices on the island of Luzon. Its regional prominence in trade and an alliance with Brunei's Sultan Bokiar in 1500 made it a maritime force in the northern archipelago. The Sultan of Brunei decided to break the dynasty of Tondo's monopoly in the China trade. He attacked Tondo and established the state of Selarong, later called Manila, as a Bruneian satellite state. A new dynasty under his Muslim grandson, the Raja Salalila, controlled the house of Lakandala in Tondo. Islam was further strengthened by the arrival to the Philippines of traders and proselytizers from Malaysia and Indonesia. By the 16th century, the religion had spread to much of the Philippines. Some of the islands were known and visited by Europeans before the 1521 expedition around the world led by the Portuguese-born Spanish explorer Ferdinand Magellan. He landed on the island called Homanhan, claiming the islands he saw for Spain and named them Islas de San Lazaro. He was killed during the Battle of Mactan against the tribal chief Lapu-Lapu. In 1543, Rui Lopez de Villalobos led an expedition to the islands and gave the name Las Islas Filipinas, after Philippi of Spain, to the islands of Samar and Leté. This name was extended to the entire archipelago later. European colonization began in earnest when Spanish explorer, Miguel López de Legazpi, arrived from Mexico in 1565 and formed the first European settlements in Cebu, with just five ships and 500 men accompanied by Augustinian monks and reinforced in 1567 by 200 soldiers. He initiated the colonization of the archipelago, 
Thus began an era of Spanish colonization that lasted for several centuries. The Spanish East Indies were ruled as a territory of the Viceroyalty of New Spain and administered from Mexico City, Mexico from 1565 to 1821. The Spanish pushed back advancing Islamic forces to the south and started the nation that became known as the Philippines. They also introduced Christianity, a code of law, the oldest universities and the first public education system in Asia, the Western European version of printing, and the Gregorian calendar, as well as new food resources such as corn, pineapple and chocolate from Latin America. They also built up the infrastructure, such as train networks and modern bridges. Education played a major role in the socio-economic transformation of the archipelago, the oldest universities, colleges. Vocational schools and the first modern public education system in Asia were all created during the Spanish colonial period. One of Spain's objectives in colonizing the Philippines was the conversion of the local population to Roman Catholicism. Conversion was facilitated by the lack of competition from other organized religions, except for Islam, which still predominated in the southwest. This resulted in a new Roman Catholic majority, from which the Muslims of western Mindanao and the upland tribal peoples of Luzon, such as the Ifugaos of the Cordillera region and the Mangayans of Mindoro, remained detached and alienated. The Spanish military fought off various indigenous revolts and several external colonial challenges, especially from the British, Dutch, and Portuguese as well as from Chinese pirates. In 1646, a series of five naval actions known as the Battles of La Naval de Manila was fought between the forces of Spain and the Dutch Republic, as part of the Dutch Eighty Years' War of Independence. The Dutch squadrons were defeated on all fronts by the Spanish Filipino forces, forcing the Dutch to abandon their plans for an invasion of the Philippines X and Y again about 1650. The Kingdom of Lancasuca arose around the 2nd century in the northern area of the Malay Peninsula and soon became part of other kingdoms or empires. Much of the south of the Malay Peninsula was under the Srivijaya Empire. When it fell, the Majapahit Empire had influence over most of Peninsular Malaysia and the Malay Archipelago said X then in the early 15th century. Parameswara, a prince of the former Srivijayan kingdom, founded the Malacca Sultanate. He became a Muslim and this accelerated the conversion of Malayans to Islam in the 15th century. In 1511 Malaysia was conquered by Portugal, after which it was taken over by the Dutch. In Indonesia, Medan also known as Mataram was an Indianized kingdom based in central Java around later day Jayakarta between the 8th and 10th centuries. The center of the kingdom was moved from central Java to east Java by MPU Sindok. The first king of Mataram was Shrasangaya who left inscriptions in stone. A later king ordered the translation of the Mahabharata, one of the two major Sanskrit epics of ancient India, into old Javanese in 996. The kingdom collapsed into chaos at the end of his reign under military pressure from Srivijaya. The empire spread the ethnic Malay culture throughout Sumatra, the Malay Peninsula and western Borneo, a stronghold of Vajrayana Buddhism. Srivijaya attracted pilgrims and scholars from other parts of Asia. Its influence waned by the 11th century. The empire was in frequent conflict with Javanese kingdoms, first Singhasari and then Majapahit. Islam eventually made its way to the Asa region of Sumatra, spreading its influence through contacts with Arabs and Indian traders. The Hindu Majapahit kingdom was founded in eastern Java in the late 13th century and was the most dominant of Indonesia's pre-Islamic states. The founder of the Majapahit Empire, Kurtarajasa, was the son-in-law of the ruler of the Singhasari kingdom, also based in Java. After the Singhasari drove the Srivijaya forces out of Java in 1290, the rising power of Singhasari came to the attention of Kublai Khan in China. Kurtanagara, ruler of the kingdom, refused to pay the tribute demanded and the Khan sent a punitive expedition which arrived off the coast of Java in 1293, but a rebel from Kediri, J. Akatwang, had killed Kurtanagara, he was in his turn quickly overthrown by Kurtanagara's son-in-law, later known as Kurtarajasa. The latter allied himself with the Mongols against Jayakatwang and once the Singhasari kingdom was destroyed, turned and forced his Mongol allies to withdraw. Gajamada, an ambitious Majapahit prime minister and regent from 1331 to 1364, extended the empire's rule to the surrounding islands. A few years after his death, the Majapahit navy captured Palembang, 
putting an end to the Srivijayan kingdom. After its peak in the 14th century, Majapahit power declined and around 1500 could not control the rising power of the Sultanate of Malacca any longer. A large number of courtiers, artisans, priests and members of the royal family then moved to the island of Bali. The spread of Islam began in the west of the archipelago and was driven by increasing trade links outside of the archipelago. In 1525, Sunan Gunung from Sarreban, a port city on the north coast of Java, together with the army of Demak Sultanate, a Javanese Muslim state located on the north coast of Java, seized the port to Banten from the Sunda Kingdom and established the Sultanate to Banten. At its peak in the first half of the 17th century, the Sultanate lasted from 1526 to 1813. For the most part, Islam mixed with existing cultural and religious influences, which shaped the predominant form of Islam in Indonesia, particularly in Java. Only Bali retained a Hindu majority. In the eastern archipelago, both Christian and Islamic missionaries were active in the 16th and 17th centuries, and started large communities of both religions on these islands. Beginning in the 16th century, successive waves of Europeans, the Portuguese, Spanish, Dutch and finally the British sought to dominate the spice trade in valuable nutmeg, cloves, and cubeb pepper at its sources in India and the Spice Islands, the Moluccans, of Indonesia. They wanted to find a way to Asia to cut out Muslim merchants who, with their Venetian outlet in the Mediterranean, monopolized spice imports to Europe. Spices were highly coveted as medicines and magic potions and were used to preserve and make poorly preserved meat palatable. Portuguese expertise in navigation, shipbuilding and weaponry allowed them to make daring expeditions of exploration and expansion, starting with the first exploratory expeditions sent from newly conquered Malacca in 1512. They were the first Europeans to arrive in Indonesia. They hoped to dominate the sources of valuable spices and to expand the Roman Catholic Church's missionary efforts. But their presence in Indonesia was reduced to solar, floras and timer following defeat at the hands of indigenous Ternatians and the Dutch in the Spice Islands. The most significant impacts of the Portuguese arrival were the disruption and disorganization of the trade network mostly as a result of their conquest of Malacca and the start of Christianity in Indonesia. The arrival of Europeans in Southeast Asia is important especially when considered in combination with another major expansionist force, Islam. In 1453 the Islamic god Oman Turks had conquered Constantinople, while Islam continued to spread through Indonesia and the Philippines. In 1602 the Dutch established the Dutch East India Company, VOC, and became the dominant European power. The VOC was given a monopoly on trade and colonial activities in the region at a time before the company controlled any territory in Java. In 1619, this company conquered the West Javanese city of Jakarta and founded the city of Batavia, later day Jakarta. It became deeply involved in the internal politics of Java in this period, and fought in a number of wars involving the leaders of Mataram and Banten. They brought better organization, weapons, ships and superior financial backing than the Portuguese. They exploited the fractionalization of the small kingdoms in Java that had replaced Majapahit and established a permanent foothold in Java, from which grew a land-based colonial empire which became one of the world's richest colonial possessions. The first contact between Mataram and the Vok occurred under Krapayak. He died in 1613 and was succeeded by his son, known as Sultan Agung, Great Sultan. Agung was responsible for the great expansion and lasting historical legacy of Mataram conquests during his long reign from 1613 to 1646. With Surabaya brought into the empire, his kingdom encompassed all of central and eastern Java and Madura. Only in the west did Banten and the Dutch settlement in Batavia remain outside his control. He shared control over Java with the Dutch. He died in the spring of 1646, with his image of royal invincibility shattered by his defeats by the Dutch. He left behind an empire that covered most of Java and its neighboring islands. Upon taking the throne, his son tried to bring long-term stability to Mataram's realm, murdering local leaders that were insufficiently deferential to him and closing ports so he alone controlled the trade with the Dutch X and Y about 1675. Regarding Australia and New Zealand, X noted that the Dutch arrived in Australia in 1606, led by Willem Jansen. That same year, a Spanish expedition led by Pedro Fernandez de Quiros had landed in the New Hebrides and named the land, 
Australis del Espiritu Santo or Southern Land of the Holy Spirit. Later that year, the Quiros Deputy Luis Vaz de Torres sailed through Australia's Torres Strait and sighted Australia's northern coast. In 1616, Dutch Captain Burkhardog sailed too far when he tried to trace Hendrik Brouwer's recently discovered route from the Cape of Good Hope to Batavia. Reaching the western coast of Australia, he landed at Cape Inscription in Shark Bay on October 25, 1616. He and his crew were the first known Europeans visiting Western Australia's shores. By the 1650s most of the Australian coast was charted reliably enough for the navigational standards of the day as was revealed for all to see in the map of the world inlaid into the floor of the Burgers Hall of the New Amsterdam Town Hall in 1655. The Dutch East India Company concluded that Australia was too costly to gain much benefit from colonising it. Indigenous Australians were less interesting and less able to trade with Europeans than people of India, the East Indies, China and Japan. At one point the local populations consisted of 250 individual nations. Each nation had from 5 or 6 to as many as 30 or 40 clans. Over 250 languages existed, most of which became extinct. The impact of Europeans was profoundly disruptive to Aboriginal life. There was considerable conflict on the frontier. At some point a settler sought to justify this, writing, The question comes to this, which has the better right, the savage, born in a country, which he runs over but can scarcely be said to occupy, or the civilized man, who comes to introduce into this, unproductive country, the industry which supports life. New Zealand was originally settled by Polynesians from Eastern Polynesia with an initial settlement in 1280, the descendants of these settlers were the Maori, forming a distinct culture of their own, separate settlement of the tiny Chatham Islands to the east of New Zealand about 1500 produced the Moriori people where linguistic evidence indicates that they were mainland Maori who had ventured eastward, the original settlers exploited the abundant large game in New Zealand, such as moa, large flightless birds that were pushed to extinction around 1500. As moa and other large game became scarce or extinct, Maori culture underwent major change. Increased competition for land and other resources resulted in warfare with cannibalism part of it. Chiefs were often but not always hereditary, although the male or female chief had to demonstrate leadership abilities to avoid being replaced by more dynamic individuals. The most important units of this Maori society were the extended family or groups of extended families. After these came the iwi or tribes, consisting of groups of political units. Related political units would often trade goods and cooperate on major projects, but conflict between such units was also common. Traditional Maori society preserved history orally through narratives, songs, and chants. Skilled experts could recite the tribal genealogies, were kapapa, back for hundreds of years. Arts included oratory, song composition in multiple genres, dance forms including haka, as well as weaving, highly developed wood carving and tattooing. Edible plants brought with them from Polynesia were cultivated, including sweet potatoes, taro, birds and yams. Also cultivated was the cabbage tree, a plant endemic to New Zealand. Wild foods such as fern root, which provided a starchy paste, were also exploited. Where taro and kumara could be grown, horticulture became important. Birds, fish and sea mammals were important sources of protein. The first Europeans known to reach New Zealand were the crew of Dutch explorer Abel Tasman who arrived in his ship Heemskirk and Zeheem. He anchored at the northern end of the South Island in Golden Bay. He named it Murderer's Bay. In December 1642, he sailed northward to Tonga following a clash with local Maori and sketched sections of the two main islands' west coasts. He called them Staten Land, after the States General of the Netherlands, and that name appeared on his first maps of the country. Dutch cartographers changed the name to Nova Zealandia in Latin, from New Zealand, after the Dutch province of Zealand. It was subsequently anglicised to New Zealand. The effect of contact on the Maoris varied. In some inland areas life went on more or less unchanged, although European metal tools such as fish hooks and hand axes were acquired through trade with other tribes. At the other end of the scale, tribes that frequently encountered Europeans, such as the Nga Puhi in Northland, underwent major changes. Pre-European Maori had no distance weapons except for spears. The introduction of the musket had an enormous impact on Maori warfare. Tribes with muskets would attack tribes without them, killing or enslaving many. As a result, 
guns became very valuable and Maori would trade large quantities of goods for a single musket X and Y about 1675, look what is happening in Anatolia said Y Osman, a Turkish Ghazi besieged Nikia, also called Iznik, in 1301, he controlled a territory from Dorilaim, also called Eshaki, to Brissa, Bursa, he ambushed and destroyed a Byzantine army dispatched against him at Bafaim. Koyunhiza, and then captured Melangeria, Yanishilhim. The Byzantine Emperor Andronicus II formed an alliance with the Mongolians by making his sister marry the Persian Archangel G2. This resulted in a Mongolian army invading Iskisari but it was trounced by Osman's son Orkan. Orkan captured Brusa, across the Sea of Marmara from Constantinople. In 1326, the year his father died, he made Brusa his capital. Soon he controlled the whole south coast of the Sea of Marmara and the Asiatic shore of the Dardanelles. In 1342 the boy Emperor John V. Paleologus, 1341-1371, and his rival, the Regent John, later John V. I. Cantacuzanus, went to war against each other. Orkan allied himself with John Cantacuzanus and married his daughter in 1346. In 1348 he became the principal leader of the Muslim forces near the Byzantine Empire. In 1352 he again helped John Cantacuzanus by sending an army under his son Suleiman to Adrianople in Thrace. Simp, Chimenlik, on the Isthmus of Gallipoli, Gilibolu, was captured and a Turkish military post was established there. Gallipoli became the Ottomans' base in Europe. Orkan became even more powerful with new allies including the Genoese who were enemies of John V. Icantacusinus. John was forced to renounce his throne. Suleiman and Orkan died in 1357 and in 1359 respectively. Orkan's last surviving son, Murad, became Sultan Murad I and reigned until his death at the Battle of Kosovo in 1389. He conquered Adrianople in 1361 and renamed the city Edirne. From Edirne the Ottomans moved upstream in 1363 and captured Philippolis, Plovadiv. This isolated frontier town brought the Ottomans in contact with the Serbians. In 1331 Stephen Dushan, the new ruler of Serbia built a Serbian empire over the next 20 years. He took advantage of the Byzantine succession problem to conquer much of Albania and parts of Thrace and Macedonia. In 1346 he crowned himself emperor of the Greeks and Serbs. He tried to conquer Constantinople in order to reunite the Catholic and Orthodox churches but died in 1355 just before the start of his crusade. When the Ottomans took Philippopolis in 1363, an army consisting of Serbs, Bosnians, and Wallachians and a Hungarian army under their King Louis were defeated by the Ottomans on the banks of the river Muritsa in an ambush at night only two days from Edirne. Murad I transferred his capital to Edirne in 1365. He had full confidence in his army because of their religion, traditions and award system. This made it possible to have a serious Seljuk loyalty and war mentality. In forming a fully formed Islamic Sultanate, three border zones were developed as protective areas, marches, where fanatical Muslim Ghazis were encouraged to be based. They initiated their raids from there. These marches were wild frontier lands where nomads driven by the Seljuks and refugees from the Mongol conquests settled in. Search of a better life. In the southeast Gazis raided the Christian lands of Lesser Armenia and Cyprus and in the north the Christian country of Trebizond, Trabzon. The Ottomans came from the western marches along the Byzantine frontier. Seljuk control was maintained by a hereditary emir, commander, of the marches. Turkmen tribes also located in these marches were directed by their own leaders, Bays, who were linked with the emirs through bonds of personal loyalty. Such robber barons were prone to rebellion and could also marshal powerful forces. These Ghazi warriors provided the nucleus of what became the army of the Ottoman Empire under Osman. They shared a fanatical devotion to Islam and a commitment to extend Muslim influence through warfare. Their motto was, We are champions, striving in the way of truth and the path of Allah, gathering the fruits of Gaza, a politically correct term for plundering, and expanding them in the way of Allah, choosing truth striving for religious devotion and lacking pride in the existing world, following the way of the Sharia, taking revenge on polytheists and Christians, strangers in general and blazing forth the way of Islam from the east to the west. Needless to say with people having such a philosophy of life, the Ottoman Empire lived for war. At the siege of Baghdad in 1683 when the Persians proposed that the contest be decided by a single duel, Sultan Mehmet Ivy himself took up the challenge and killed the Persian champion. I was born to bear arms said Bayezid the Thunderbolt.
As the empire expanded, the Balkans became the frontier lands and the expression Ghazi was replaced by Akinji, raiders, who often were volunteers from Anatolia. They were motivated by the hope of becoming part of the permanent army which entitled them to receive a stipend freeing them from economic worries. The elite of the Ottoman army were the Janissaries. These were often captured Christian boys between the ages of 8 and 15. They were trained in Turkish speech and customs, converted to Islam and received intense physical training. They were imbued with the idea that dying for their country was the main purpose of their life. Only the ones assigned to the army were the Janissaries. They were not slaves because high offices were open to them and they were trusted completely by their Ottoman leaders. An additional component of the Ottoman army was the group of Sipahis or free cavalry men who were loyal to their local bay and mostly were Muslim Turks. They were scattered throughout the empire, always moving around where needed. The Ottomans were the first to maintain a standing army in Europe since Roman times. Organization, planning and discipline were enforced rigorously so that for example when they marched into Persia in 1548, they were so well provisioned that they were not bothered by the scorched earth tactic of the Shah and their camps were not disturbed by disorder, drunkenness and debauchery. Each winter the previous year's campaigns were analyzed rigorously and supplemented by a series of reports from a network of spies to plan further campaigns. At the Battle of Sernoman in 1371, the Serbs under Vukashin were defeated and their leaders were killed. Murad I was clever and left much of Macedonia and Serbia in the hands of local chiefs as vassals. This included Lazar, who was married to Milica, a relative of Emperor Dusan, but he did not claim the royal title. Murad I attacked Albania and Bulgaria. These countries did not have strong leadership and their rulers often called in foreign troops against internal rivals. They relied on the Ottomans as allies in 1385 and became vassals of theirs. When fortresses Kroyer and Skutri were conquered, Murad I let them be governed by his Albanian vassals. He conquered Thessalonica in 1387 and took Konya from the Turkish ruler of Kerem in that same year to strengthen his position in Anatolia. A combined force of Serbs and Bosnians under Laser defeated a local Ottoman commander and after that was joined by hopeful Bulgarians, Wallachians, Albanians and Hungarians. Laser decided to take action after losing Sofia in 1385 and the Serbian city of Nis in 1386 and also because there were Serbian troops led by vassals in the Ottoman army. Threats from Murad I eliminated Bulgaria from this alliance but Laser still managed to keep the support of many Serbian nobles. At the Battle of Kosovo in June 1389 the Ottomans won but Murad I was killed and Laser was captured and executed. His son, Stephen Lazarevich succeeded him and became a vassal of the Ottomans. Bayezid I, also known as the Thunderbolt, son of Murad I, was even more aggressive and cocky than his father. He harshly put down revolts in Anatolia and the Balkans. He annexed what remained of the Biliks of Western Anatolia and took over Bosnia in 1391 and Bulgaria in 1393. In 1395 he turned to his biggest challenge, the Byzantine capital, Constantinople. While he was blockading Constantinople, the nobles of Europe, consisting of Mercia of Wallachia, Sigismund of Hungary, the Pope, the Duke of Burgundy and French, German and English nobles marched with the intent of saving Constantinople. They assembled at Buda and looted and pillaged towns, even though those were Orthodox Christian ones. Bayezid advanced quickly on Nicopolis and set up camp in a situation advantageous to his troops. The Crusader army was routed by the reserve troops of the Ottomans and the Serbs under Stephen Lazarevic who had become brother-in-law of Bayezid I. Bayezid did lose many soldiers and massacred almost all his prisoners. Only a few were spared including John D. Nevers, the son of the Duke of Burgundy who later became John the Fearless and a young man called Johann Schildberger, who lived to write his memoirs. These two adventurers Johann Schildberger and John the Fearless are colorful characters laughed x we have had many men like this before, always scheming and fighting till they die, but these are some of the first where we have an actual record for, yes said why they are men at their best and worst, totally fearless and adventurous but also vicious and murderous. Bayezid I consolidated his rule on both sides of the Bosphorus, Rumela on the European Balkan front and Anatolia on the Asian side, but this brought him into contact with another power-hungry leader, Tamerlane. Tamerlane was a Turk born in Uzbekistan in 1336, a part of the Khanate of Jagatayev of the fragmented Mongolian Empire. His tribe was called the Tatars. He was a Turk by birth, Muslim by religion and was often referred to as Timur the Lame because of partial paralysis of his left side. 
Emir Kazgan was assassinated in 1357 and his son, Mirza Abdallah, was driven out by the uncle of Tamlan, Haji Ibalas, Lord of Keshen by another Turkic noble, Bayan Seldas in 1358, Anaki reigned in the Jagadlite Khan of the Ili, Tulu Timur, took advantage of this and invaded Transoxiana in 1360 causing Haji Ibalas to flee to Kuruzan. Tamilan pledged vassalage to Tulu Timur, claiming he was sacrificing himself in the interest of his clan that was at risk because of the flight of his uncle. Tulu Timur appointed him chief of Kesh, but then Haji Ibalas attacked Kesh after the Khan withdrew and Tamilan was deserted by his troops. His uncle pardoned him but then the Khan returned and Tamilan was reappointed. Tulu Timur appointed him advisor to his son Ilias Kodja who was made viceroy of Transoxiana, but then the Khan appointed another emir, Begjik to be in charge with his son, instead of Tamerlane. Tamerlane and his brother-in-law Mir Hussain went to Persia where they became adventurers in the service of a prince of Sistan in eastern Iran. They reorganized their forces in Afghanistan, near Kunduz, and re-entered Transoxiana. Tamerlane defeated Ilias Khodja twice and liberated Gesh. About this time Tulu Timur died on the Ili, to maintain the fiction of a Jagadite ruler, a grandson of Duwa. Kabul Shah, was appointed to be Khan. Elias Khodja then defeated Tamerlan and Mir Hussain on the north bank of the Sidiraya between Tashkent and Chinaz in the Battle of the Marches in 1385 and laid siege to Samarkand. But religious fervor took over and the Samarkand defenders put up a spirited defense. Soon thereafter Elias Khodja died. Tamerlan had married Mir Hussain's sister but now they quarreled. Almost a given with two such ambitious men, early on Hussain had the advantage and Tamerlan had to flee to Khurizan. But Tamerlan was politically shrewd, he became allies again with the Mongols and the threat of an invasion by them again led by Tamerlan forced Mir Hussain to offer peace in the name of their joint Muslim religion. Tamerlan recovered Kesh this way. After considerable intrigue Tamerlan suddenly launched an attack on Hussain and captured him. He was supposedly forgiven and set forth on a pilgrimage to Mecca but was murdered along the way on instructions from Tamerlan. Then Tamerlan clashed with the last remaining great power, the Ottoman Empire, the Ottoman Sultan, Bayezid the Lightning, 1389-1403, had carried his empire to the height of its power. He had vanquished the Serbian army at the Battle of Kosovo in 1389, annexed Bulgaria in 1394 and the Turkish Emirates of Aden and Siruddin in 1390. The Turkoman Emirate of Karaman also in 1390 and the Turkish Emirates of Mintiz and Kermian in 1391 and others in 1392. In 1396 he crushed the crusade of King Sigismund of Hungary and of the Burgundian Erjan Sonpa. His army was considered the best in the Near East after vanquishing the Franco-Burgundian one. He was now ready to capture Constantinople from the Greeks. The two adversaries watched each other warily. Bayezid I controlled the western part of Turkey and Tamerlan the eastern part. Bitter correspondence between them ensued where Tamerlan made insults about the obscure origins of the Ottoman dynasty but acknowledged the contributions of the Sultan to fighting the holy war of Islam in Europe. He ended his challenge by asking whether such a petty prince should really measure himself against a mighty force like his. Tamerlan laid siege to the important city of Sivas in 1400. It capitulated after only three weeks of bombardment by siege engines. He spared the Muslims but either threw the 4,000 Armenian soldiers into wells or buried them alive and pulled down the city walls. He notified Bayezid I immediately of course when Sivas fell. Tamerlan encouraged friendly contact with Christian rulers nearby such as the Emperor of Trebizond, Trabzon. The decisive battle between Tamlane and Bayezid was fought northeast of the city at Kubuk in 1402 involving nearly a million men and included war elephants from India on the part of Tamerlane. Stephen Lazarevic drove back the left wing of Tamerlane's army but then part of the Ottoman army turned against Bayezid. They were of the same ethnic background as Tamerlane's troops who had encouraged them to join his side. Soon only Bayezid and his janissaries were left until by nightfall only 300 of his warriors were left. Bayezid and one of his sons were taken prisoner as was Johann Schiltbeger who had entered the Sultan's service and gave the best close-hand account of the last days of the Sultan. Tamerlan treated them with courtesy but Bayezid, broken by disaster and humiliation, died soon thereafter in 1403. But Bayezid's son Suleiman escaped across the Sea of Marmara on a Genoese galley. Tamerlan then set siege to Smyrna, Izmit, belonging to the Knights of Rhodes and most knights were massacred except for the few that were picked up by the Christian fleet. 
The devout Muslims were delighted and loved Tamerlane after this because they saw this as part of a victory in a holy war. Actually the destruction of the Ottoman army saved Christendom because the blockade of Byzantium by the Ottomans was raised. It had been ready to surrender after Bayezid had crushed the crusaders of Nicopolis. The Byzantine Empire gained a respite of about 50 years. 1402-1453. Christendom too was saved because Tamerlan took great care to prevent the resurgence of the Ottoman Empire by encouraging quarreling between the sons of Bayezid. Tamerlan was a consistent hypocrite, far-sighted when it came to his own self-interest, a dashing soldier, an experienced and prudent leader with taste for poetry, and an admirer of artists and men of letters. He was a great supporter of the arts and a tremendous builder as attested to by the splendors of his capital Samarkand. In his conquests he collected artists of special talent as war booty and shipped them back to Samarkand. He was also ruthless, a cold leader with a dark countenance, who lacked a sense of humor. Men followed him in battle because they feared him and he rewarded them by allowing pillage and rape to their heart's content afterwards. During his reign art, particularly poetry, flourished. A giant of Persian poetry, Hafez, universalized everyday experiences and related them to an unending search for the reality of God. His best-known work, The Divan, is a collection of poems that Iranians read for guidance at critical times in their lives. He was guided in life by Sufism, a mystical movement whose followers rejected the restraints of conventional religion to pursue union with God, the ultimate reality. Tamerlan died in 1405 at the age of 70 and left a large family, but they did nothing of consequence until Shah Rukh, the fourth son of Tamerlan was acknowledged as king of Transoxiana in eastern Persia. He was a good leader and a brave soldier with a good disposition. He became one of the best rulers in Asia, being humane, moderate, a lover of Persian writings, a great builder and a protector of poets and artists. His long reign, 1407-1447, ushered in the Timurid Renaissance, a golden age of Persian literature and art, his capitals Herat and Samarkand, where his son Olubeg, governor of Transoxiana, resided, became the centers of this renaissance. Despite this, Tamlane's empire was gone entirely 100 years after his death X and Y back to about 1500. The late 1400s represents an age of discovery for the Europeans noted X. They noted especially the contributions the Portuguese explorer Vasco da Gama had made around 1500 to broadening the view of the civilized world X and Y about 1675 again, X and Y about 1675 again. Back in Europe there certainly is a serious religious spat starting as well as a clash of various empires said X. This is a really tumultuous period here due to divergence of view on dogma versus a more benign view of the Christian religion seen as attacks on the established church commented why clearly change was needed in this church since it had been around so long and needed rekindling of the spirits. Martin Luther and John Calvin are brave people with strong convictions to keep them going. Charles V did a remarkable job of keeping his empire together, having this internal conflict over religion and then worrying about outside threats like the Ottomans and the French was quite a challenge, not surprising that with the outside threats hanging over his head the Protestant movement survived and presumably will thrive over time. Suleiman and his Ottomans were quite a threat to all of Europe but he did not succeed in his desire to conquer it all and make them all Muslims. First the Muslims tried to conquer Europe from the south and west by way of Spain but were stopped by the French under Charles Martel. Then they tried from the east and captured Constantinople, Belgrade and Vienna. But Suleiman was ultimately stopped by the Habsburgs, the Russians and the Poles. Too many large nations to conquer to really have a realistic shot at winning everything commented why Suleiman really thought highly of himself did he not laugh X. That is true but not any worse than some of the others in history such as Alexander the warrior added why but wow what a period remarked X this species really is into intolerance, greed and power, an interesting time for sure, Y exclaimed, first of all, we have the religious wars in Europe, the total dominance of the extremely rigid, dogmatic Catholic Church had to be broken, for a while it looked from Luther's stance that the recurring logical idea of each person having his own religion would become widely accepted but the people were not ready for that, most of them still do not want to have to think for themselves, many of them realizing they cannot, yes, said X and then you have Calvin step in and imply another extreme, everything is preordained, how could that possibly be attractive? 
Well, that is easy said while lots of people think they are clearly of the chosen, that makes them feel very good about themselves, and by acting like that they are attractive to the other sex since members of that sex believe them so they have a preferred selection of partners to choose from, action begets reaction I guess said X which explains the emergence of somebody like Oyola, his idea of total devotion to the Pope would appeal to a lot of people who do not want change. I think he will be quite successful in keeping many people happily in the Catholic Church, and for the sake of this church although not necessarily for the people it is good to maintain a central authority, this will keep the church from breaking into national churches like the Protestant groups will, but ultimately it should destroy the Catholic Church since it will be hard to change, becoming ever more dogmatic and hence less relevant to life for most people, yes said why but there will still be lots of people who want no change at all and hence will love the church for what it is, tradition is important especially to women, beyond that we then have the religious and political conflict between the Muslim Ottomans and Christian Europe, Charles V would probably have been more effective if he had been more accepting of Martin Luther and the other Protestant movements but his upbringing in the Catholic Church will not allow that. Quite a collection of people significant to the history of this species commented x yes, said why and they are aware of each other, Charles V, Suleiman the Conceited, Martin Luther, Calvin, Pope Leo X and King Francis I of France, not all of them may have known about the Safavids in Persia and what is going on in Africa, China and India but the world is certainly becoming more cosmopolitan, this clash between races with religion thrown in for good measure is something else again. It is lucky for the Europeans that the Muslims also have their differences so that the Ottomans had to watch their back in case the Safavids attacked them, otherwise the Ottomans would have conquered all of Europe. Do you think the Muslims or the Jews could have come up with an invention like the Inquisition, an essentially anti-social concept? I think the Muslims could but not the Jews replied why both Christianity and the Muslim religion have outwardly directed fanaticism that I do not see in the Jewish religion, the Jews are inward looking, the species sure likes fighting for what appears to me rather insignificant reasons commented x finally x and y about 1675 again, in the Americas, the Inca and the Aztec empires did not survive the Spaniards remarked why what did they contribute to the knowledge in the whole world? tobacco, terrific bloodshed of victims to worship their gods and control of the vast and varied territory, given that they had so much rich land it is puzzling that they turned so vicious and perhaps surprising that they were conquered so easily by the Spaniards, the latter may not be that surprising said X their rulers were not very pleasant so many people may have looked at the Spaniards as liberators from a very unpleasant lifestyle and religions. At least Cabeza de Vaca showed that there were more enlightened Spaniards crossing the ocean even though he lived through a tremendous ordeal.